Well, if you got your Bibles, we are in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and uh, last week we looked at Jesus having fed the 5,000. And uh, and then after the, the miracle, uh, they get into, the Bible says they get into a boat uh, and go where uh, Jesus tells them to go. Um, and we didn't look at that miracle last week. We're going to look, look at that uh, today. But that this miracle is sandwiched between the feeding of the 5,000 and then the discourse that Jesus had with the multitude who kept following him and looking for another miracle. And uh, we looked at that last week, that Jesus not only wants to be the giver of bread, but he wants to be our bread. And uh, we looked at the fact that uh, those people who were following him, uh, they were just looking for the handout. They weren't necessarily uh, looking for Jesus to be their all in all. And uh, so they had a decision to make, and many of them left because of the hard things that Jesus was having to say. But uh, this morning, we want to look at uh, the miracle of walking on the water. And so we're going to read verses 16 through 21 this morning. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea and got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. And when they were... Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land to which they were going. Now, uh, this is a very familiar miracle, and uh, it, this miracle is also found in the book of Matthew and the book of Mark. And uh, there's a lot more details in those two uh, books of the Gospels than there are in John's account. And so there's some gaps that uh, we need to fill in this morning based upon um, what uh, the other writers have shared. Now, the Bible says that when evening came, in verse 16, his disciples went down to the sea and got into the boat. According to Mark, they didn't make that decision on their own. All right? Jesus told them to get into the boat and go to uh, uh, Capernaum, or actually they wound up in Gennesaret um, the next morning. But uh, Jesus is the one that told them to get into the boat. And as they got into the boat, the crowd that was there, they watched the disciples get into the boat and leave. Now, Jesus didn't go with them. The Bible says that Jesus got alone and he prayed. He wanted to spend the night in prayer with his father. And so the disciples went alone. And uh, the next morning, when and we see this in verse 22, the next morning, on the next morning, 
the day the crowd that uh, on the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So here the crowds are still uh, the next morning um, looking for a handout. And uh, the disciples aren't around. Jesus isn't around. The boat that they had come in um, previously, it's gone. But they knew they know that Jesus hadn't gotten in the boat. And so they go in search toward for Jesus to Capernaum. And uh, the Bible says that they found him. Look at verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi... Did you come here? How did you, when did you come here? And, and Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So they find Jesus at Capernaum, and they, they're bewildered. I mean, how did you get here, Jesus? When did you get here? Because you didn't get in the boat with the disciples. And you know what? Jesus doesn't answer their question. He just questions their motives as to why they followed him there. And so that's an indication to us that as we look at this miracle this morning, this was a miracle specifically for the disciples. Um, had Jesus said, well, I, I walked on water to get here, that probably would have been a huge distraction to the crowd who asked the question. And Jesus didn't want to go there. He just questioned, you know, why are you following me? But we see in verses 16 through 21 that uh, Jesus performs uh, this miracle uh, that we're going to get into this morning. But the, re- the reason why Jesus put uh, the disciples in a precarious situation, I mean, it was a stormy night. They were in fear of their lives. And the reason why Jesus did this was because of the hardness of their heart. They had just witnessed Jesus feed 5,000-plus people. In fact, they were part of that miracle. They were serving the bread that, uh, that Jesus was creating from this little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish. But the disciples still didn't get it, even when Jesus was doing that supernatural miracle. In Mark chapter 6... Um, One of the other accounts of Jesus walking on the water, verses 50 through 52, I think you might have it in your outline. The Bible says this, They all saw him and were terrified, speaking of the disciples, out on the Sea of Galilee, and immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. 
Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So Jesus knew the disciples' hearts before uh, they got into the boat to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And God wanted to use this situation, this event, to show the disciples in particular how powerful, how big, how sovereign he is over everything. And it was for the disciples alone. And so I just want to just remind us that... uh, as you know, Jesus was sharing these things in John chapter 6, and he was doing some physical things. Uh, there were some things uh, underneath the surface that need to relate to you and I and to the disciples in spiritual terms. And I want us to see uh, that as well today, that uh, what, what Jesus did here physically in this miracle, Jesus wants to do in our lives spiritually as followers of Christ. So what are some of the things that we can glean from this miracle that the disciples witness? Number one is this. Jesus sometimes sends us into storms. He purposefully sends you and I into storms. Now, you might think that that's kind of cruel, But Jesus has a bigger plan. And sometimes we don't understand. We can't see his fingerprints. Life is so confusing. But Jesus has a plan. Jesus had a plan for these disciples. Through in the storm. You know, there's a verse in uh, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7. That's a bit troubling in the King James Version. The Bible says this, I form the light and create the darkness. I bring prosperity and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. That's the King James Version. The King James says, he creates evil. Now, in the NIV, it's interpreted disaster. But some skeptics like to take the King James Version and zone in on the evil part and ask, is that your God? Is he a God who likes to create evil? That doesn't sound like a very loving and kind God to me. Well, when you look at the word evil, there's other interpretations uh, for that same word. Sorrow, adversity, Calamity, but it's never a translation for sin because it is impossible for God to be the author of sin. But Jesus sent the disciples into this storm on purpose. Jesus sent them into calamity because he wants to show them just how big he really is. In church, he's even bigger 
than Florence today. We don't know why God has allowed this storm and other storms and earthquakes and other natural events. We don't understand why all those things occur. But I'm here to tell you that we live in a fallen and broken world. And so we are going to experience all kinds of cataclysmic activity. And God is sovereign over it all. He doesn't hate those people on the West Coast. He is there in the midst of their storm. Jesus wanted to show these disciples that he is in the the midst of their storm. But when we go through those things, we just need to constantly remind ourselves that all things, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, all things work together for our good and his glory. And when that word, what that word good means, it doesn't mean that it works out for our happiness and the things that we want in life. No, the good is the, the intrinsic things that will build our faith and our character and lead to greater dependence on the Lord. That's the good that Paul is talking about in Romans 8, verse 28. And God is using all those things. And as bad as, as, as it is and is going to continue to be for some time in North and South Carolina, guess what? It's in the crisis that the best in humanity seems to come out. You know, there's no, there's no divisiveness in North and South Carolina right now. No one's talking about Republican and Democrat issues. No one's dealing with racism in the South right now. You know what? Everybody's American. And everybody's pulling together to help each other. And the best of humanity is is occurring and is going to continue to occur in times like this. So when you see a verse like, Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 7, that uh, he, he forms the light and creates darkness. He brings prosperity and creates calamity. For people who are young in the faith, that's a hard verse to comprehend. It's hard to understand why Jesus would send his disciples purposefully into a storm. And God is going to do that in every one of our lives. And he just wants you to know that whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, he is going to be there for you. Jesus intentionally set these guys up. They didn't know any difference. They didn't have their smartphones. They didn't have the weather app or the weather alert as to what they were going to go to. Jesus told them to get into the boat, and they just followed orders. Now, how big uh, is the Sea of Galilee? I've uh, often uh, thought of that question. And uh, if you look at the, this is a picture, overview of the Sea of Galilee. 
And if you were to um, compare this to Lake Tahoe, maybe you've seen Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe is kind of a similar shape. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is one-third the size of uh, Lake Tahoe. Uh, this lake is 13 miles long and 8 miles across wide. And uh, there were the disciples at the top of the Sea of Galilee, and he told them to go across the sea. Um, it was going to be on the just on the other side of Capernaum. And it wasn't a very far distance that they were supposed to go, only about four miles. But if you go to John chapter 6, um, verse 17, they got into the boat and started across the Sea of Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to him. And the sea became rough because the strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed about three or four miles... Okay, so they had rowed three or four miles, but they were nowhere close to the shore. Uh, they encountered a strong wind, and uh, they were blown totally off course. Have you ever been in a lake before, and the, sea, the, the lake was pretty choppy, and it was kind of scary? That's happened to me a couple times, but I remember one time in particular... Uh, now I have this uh, 14-foot aluminum, or well, I had this 14-foot aluminum boat. Still, does. it's going to become a, uh, um, a sandbox in the days ahead because it leaks too much. But uh, several years ago, I was on Lake Crawley, and I was with uh, my daughter Emily and Alyssa Ochoa. I don't see the Ochoas here this morning. And uh, we went fishing at Lake Crawley. And uh, let's bring up the next picture of uh, Lake Crawley. Uh, if you're ever out on Lake Crawley and the wind comes up, you need to hurry up and get off that lake, especially in your, if, if you're in a boat my size. And, uh, and this was before I had the weather app, and so I was not aware of this wind that typically pops up between 11 and 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, there I was at that a round spot uh, there on Lake Crawley. I, I think that's kind of considered the uh, sand, sandy point, yeah. And I was there with the girls, and we were fishing, and uh, all of a sudden the wind popped up. And uh, I knew we needed to get off the lake. And as we were starting across the lake, I told the girls, girls, you need to get your life jacket on. I'm not sure if I've ever told Susan this story. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think the girls realized, you know, just how serious it was at this moment. But uh, we all put on our life jackets, and so we started back towards the marina. Let's go back. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, I get about halfway to the marina, and I can't go any farther or further against the wind. The wind was in our face. And so the only thing I could do was turn around and head back to Sandy Point and try to um, go as close to the shore all the way around this lake to get to the marina. And it was five and a half miles, and it was very slow. 
and you have to understand my boat. I bail water out of my boat when the lake is calm. <laughs> I was bailing my boat a lot faster and trying to navigate us back to the marina. The girls were having fun, <laughs> but I don't think they understood how serious it was. But that's in a little lake, okay? So Lake Crawley is about a tenth size of the Sea of Galilee. So let's go to the next picture. So here the, the, uh, the disciples are in the boat. They've been blown off course. It's absolutely dark. Okay, it's, it's not like they have city lights around the, uh, uh, the, the Sea of Galilee. They're in the middle of the storm. The wind and the rain is blowing in their face. They have no idea where they're at in the middle of this lake. And they are scared to death. And uh, they kind of look like Hurricane Florence uh, out there in the Sea of Galilee. And they, they've been doing this. The Bible says that Jesus comes walking on the, on the water at the fourth watch of the night. That's between 3 and 6 a.m. So they could have been steering and uh, rowing against the wind for nine straight hours. You know, when I was on Lake Crawley, this was in the middle of the day. At least I knew where they were. I was. These guys don't know where they are. And Jesus has sent them into this. Now, what's happening while this is going on in the middle of the night? Understand, Jesus isn't in their boat right now. Where's Jesus? Jesus is still on the shore. He's up on a mountain, and he is praying. Who's he praying for? He's praying for his disciples. The disciples can't see Jesus. But Jesus sees the disciples. He sees them struggling. He sees the fact that they're totally blown off course. And they are desperate. They're, they are panicking. And Jesus is praying. What, what's he, what do you think he's praying for? Well, he's praying for... He's praying for the disciples in the storm. And you know, when we go through similar storms, Jesus is praying for us. Jesus intercedes for us. Jesus is praying for these disciples. Praying what? Praying for their faith. Praying that they might know that he is to be their all in all. That he is to be their bread of life. That their faith might grow. That they could see how big Jesus really is. Jesus purposefully sent them into this event. And there are times 
child of God. Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows what's going on in your life. And he sends you in to a similar event. And while you're struggling in that event, Jesus is watching you. And he's praying for your faith. Remember the conversation that Jesus had with Peter just before Jesus was about to be crucified? Peter told Jesus, Jesus, I'll always be with you. Jesus, you can count on me. He told Peter, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. Deny who I am. Oh, not me, Lord. Jesus also said, but Peter, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your faith will be made strong and that after this, you will be able to encourage others. Jesus is praying for your faith. That our faith won't fail. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 that he's always interceding for us as Roman as well as Romans 8 chapter 8 chapter 8 verse 34 so he's praying for us he's and the next thing I want us to see this morning is that Jesus sees us in the storm look at Mark chapter 6 verses 47 and 48 again We've got to fill in some of the gaps because um, John's account of this miracle is uh, very brief. But Mark chapter 6, verse uh, 47, the Bible says, And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and, he was on the la- and Jesus was alone on the land. And Jesus saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them, and about the fourth watch of the night he came to them. But again, Jesus was watching them, knowing that they were straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. Jesus watched, and he prayed until the fourth watch of the night. And then the Bible says that Jesus came to them on the storm, in the storm. That's the next thing I, I want to see and and not not overlook. Jesus came to them in the storm. Jesus didn't stand on the shoreline and shout out directions. Hey, guys, I'm over here. Just try to make it this. No. Jesus came to them in the middle of their storm. Jesus wants you to know that he's not going to abandon you. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 18, I am not going to abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Talking about the Holy Spirit. That Jesus was going to go back to be with his Father, but the Holy Spirit was going to come 
uh, in his place. And I want you to know, friend, you may be in a crisis right now that is far beyond your control. But Jesus is praying for you. Jesus sees you. And the Bible says, I will come to you. I'm there. You can trust me. And he tells his disciples in verse 20, he says, It is I. Do not be afraid. Are you afraid? I get afraid. I forget about this miracle lots of times when I'm in the middle of a crisis. I'm straining at the oars. I'm taking my, my bucket and trying to bail water out of my boat. Or I'm taking on more water than, than I'm able to bail out. And I forget about this miracle. And I panic. And I have sleepless nights. But you know what? Jesus is praying for me. That my faith won't fail. Jesus sees. He sees you. He knows you. And praise God, he comes to us in the middle of our storm. And he says, it's me. Don't be afraid. That word, it is I, is translated later on as I am. He is the great I am. He is exactly who you need in the moment. You might not think you know that, but Jesus knows you know that you need it. Trust, trust me. Don't be afraid. The next thing that Jesus wants to show us in this miracle this morning and his disciples is that he is bigger than any storm you face. I shared this last year as I was uh, going through this miracle and uh, talked about the fact that Jesus was walking on. Jesus walked on water. What were the disciples afraid of? At that moment, they were afraid of the water. They were afraid that they were going to drown. There were four fishermen in this boat, and they were scared to death. They were afraid that they were going to drown. And yet here comes Jesus, walking on the very surface that they were most afraid of. He was completely dry, Every hair was in place. Jesus had it all under control. He was on top of the water. He was crushing their fear, what they feared most. And he says, guys, it's me. Don't be afraid. Jesus is greater than any storm you or I will ever face. So the Bible says in verse 20, he said that in verse 20, it is I, do not be afraid. Verse 21, 
Then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. They received Jesus into the boat. And they got to their intended destination, according to John's description of what took place. Wow. John's leaving out some really important, uh, dramatic information. You know, you read Matthew and Mark, Jesus got into the boat and and Jesus calmed the storm. Peter, when he saw Jesus out on the water, Peter asked, Lord, is it I? If it's you, tell me to come out to you. And for a moment, Peter got out of the boat and he was able to walk on water until he panicked because of the waves all around him and Jesus saved him. But John leaves all, all that information out. Bible says they in, they were glad to see they were relieved to see Jesus and they invited him into his boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going Why did John leave that information out I think he left it out because he wants us to know that Jesus, Jesus is enough in our storm. All John was concerned about was that Jesus was in the boat. And as long as Jesus was in the boat, it was going to be okay. Jesus is enough in the storm. Friend, Sometimes Jesus doesn't calm the storm. Sometimes Jesus doesn't take away the cancer. Sometimes the job goes away. Or the divorce occurs. John wants you to know and me to know that Jesus sees. He's praying. He's not abandoned you. He is there. And whatever you fear the most, he's on top of. And as long as we have Jesus... That's enough. Friend, Jesus wants to be your bread of life. He doesn't want to just be the giver of your bread. And he wants to give us bread. But he wants us, he wants to be our bread. Our all in all. So, I don't know if you needed this message today. If you didn't need it today, you're going to need it someday.
And John wants you to know that with Jesus, you've got it all. No matter what the storm you're facing. He may not comment on the outside, but he can comment on the inside. What people are going through in North and South Carolina right now is devastating. Not everybody's going to have finances or insurance to put back together what's been destroyed. And they don't know how they're going to make ends meet. But according to John, if you got Jesus, you got everything. And he will make a way. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for knowing it all. Thank you for being our advocate, our mediator, our prayer warrior, praying for our faith. May we come to the point where we can even thank you for the storm and to praise you in it. Knowing, knowing, Jesus, that we are not alone. Jesus, you knew the, the heart of the disciples were hard after they had witnessed that feeding of the 5,000. And they needed to see you in a supernatural way of how big you are. Jesus, when you got in their boat, not only did you calm the storm, but they worshipped you. Because they saw who you were. Saw your glory. God, help us to know and see your glory through the book of John. That we might fully believe. And Jesus, forgive us when we panic, when we question you. You know our fear, you know our hearts. Yet, Jesus, you're still there for us. My friend, we're, uh, these are promises. Jesus gives to his children. But if you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you've not surrendered your life to him, you have not acknowledged the fact that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for your sin and that three days later he came back to life. That's the greatest miracle of all. If you've not believed him and you've not surrendered your life your life to him, my friend, this promise isn't available to you. This miracle was for the disciples, the followers of Christ. But today, 
the invitation is made available to you. If you want a personal relationship with Jesus, to be a child of God, to have that living hope no matter the storm, just pray this prayer in your heart. Jesus, today I believe, I believe you died for my sin. Jesus, thank you. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you came back to life from that grave three days later. Jesus, help me with the little faith I have to trust you, to live my life for you. Thank you for being in my boat. In Jesus' name. Friend, if you pray that prayer this morning, Jesus heard that prayer. Jesus has longed to hear that prayer. Today you belong to him. And this promise is available to you. We're going to sing a song of worship. If you need prayer this morning, we're going to be in the dining hall. We would love to pray with you this morning. But let's stand and let's worship and let's praise who he is and wants to be in our life this morning.